So, good morning, everybody. It's nice to see that we all seem to have woken up. Uh, still alive. But if we hadn't, if we found that we were uh, passing off during the night, dying, we could just go right into practice. So that's what we do when we're dying. That's part of the reason we learn these practices. So various friends have been dying in recent years and who are uh, practitioners, you know, just like us. They're just learning these, these practices. And as they got closer to the time of dying, it, just sort of, it all just kind of clicked in. There's no confusion about what, oh my gosh, now I'm dying, what do I do? You know, it's, everything's disappearing. Uh, just the obvious thing to do is just click right into practice let that take you in and through. And that's uh, another uh, really great part of Tibetan Buddhism, is that sense of things, that kind of confidence. That's also part of the reason we learn the practices. So increasingly, we don't feel like we don't have to be so afraid of more and more things, even all the way into dying. Maybe still afraid a lot, but increasingly a sense that I don't have to be quite so afraid more and more building up gradually and the practices we'll be doing this weekend really go point right into that so let's just begin again with beginning with the help of the gong that simple instruction just letting the sound of the gong (coughs) sound of the cough That could happen. That could happen up here too. The sound of the gong or the sound of the cough just draw you in more and more. Uh, and then when you notice your mind wandering, thinking about other things, uh, then just let the sound draw you back to it and into it more and more, <clears throat> even more and more into oneness with it. If that, if you can let that happen. So there's nothing to figure out about the practice. The sound has it all figured out for us, if we just let it.
So that time, in that practice, in moments when you felt like you were letting the sound draw you into it more and more, just in those moments, uh, what was that like? Try again to name just one quality of that for you. What it felt like as you were being drawn into the sound more and more. Try to name just one quality. Anybody? Yeah. Effortless. Effortless. So I'll repeat it so it's in the recording. Effortlessness. Yeah. Friendliness. Sorry? Friendliness. Friendliness. Isn't that interesting? As if there's an underlying capacity of friendliness waiting to come forward when what's holding it back is interrupted. Other qualities that you can name? Yeah? Calling home. Like being called home? Uh, Other qualities? Uh, Yeah? Ease. Ease? Yeah, thank you. Uh, Yeah? It's beautiful. Kind of beauty. Any other qualities? Sorry? Relief. Uh, Relief. Relief. Yeah, thank you. Anything else? Yeah. Stillness. Stillness. Yeah. Grace. Grace. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for me, the word grace in part connotes something like a power of goodness from beyond ourselves, from beyond our own attempts to be good or make things good. It's like a power of goodness from beyond. It's like grace. Any other qualities? Uh, Sorry? Remembering? Curiosity? Curiosity? Yeah. So infinity or something infinite, emerging, infinite. So these are qualities of nature of mind, all these qualities. Qualities of nature of mind, meaning Buddha nature, meaning the basic space of our being, or emptiness of our being, undivided from uh, a a kind of a primal awareness that's prior to, I'm I'm not saying, it's not temporally prior to our ordinary patterned experience, but logically prior, that is more fundamental, prior to all the patterning, is that which gen- is the patterning is, gen- is, is arising out of, and which is also the nature of everything that we're experiencing, the empty or uh, <clears throat> 
Now we could say the empty, lucid uh, nature of everything we experience, within which is a tremendous capacity of many, many qualities like the ones we've been naming, and, and many more. So again, the, the, this retreat is focusing on, is drawing on kinds of traditions within Tibet, uh, Nyingma, Dzogchen, and also actually Kagyu, Mahamudra, but it's drawing especially on those traditions uh, with regard to the possibility of becoming receptive in, in kind of a direct way by our ordinary patterning of mind and, and ongoing reaction and worry about everything. Has anybody been worrying about things this morning? Uh, my mind has, uh, that's, I grew up in a family where we learned to worry about everything all the time, so uh, I'm pretty accustomed to that, or conditioned. But maybe none of you worry about anything, and you're just <laughs> placid all the time. Uh, but uh, if our ordinary patterning of mind is, dis- is, is interrupted or disrupted for a moment in, in a special way, a way that's designed to specifically to allow underlying qualities of our deeper nature to emerge, not just disrupt our ordinary patterning in a way that just generates more patterning of reaction to all that. That actually will hap- that happens anyway, but still it's de- designed to disrupt in a way that then allows what's underneath the patterning and I'm speaking metaphorically, it's not literally down below it, but you see what I mean? Everything has to be done metaphorically, but it's gesturing toward possibilities of experience or what, what many of us have already experienced. So disrupting more of the superficial patterning of our consciousness so what's uh, beneath it, as it were, can begin to uh, manifest. And that's manifesting out of what's uh, sometimes referred to as our Buddha nature, which is this underlying, basic, unconditioned space and um, <clears throat> lucidity or primal awareness that's endowed with enormous capacities. That's why it's called Buddha nature, because the capacities are really enormous. We, we taste them a little bit in the way that we've been sharing. So it's just to say that that approach is not merely abstract or merely imposed upon us by the traditions I'm drawing from. I'm trying to draw on them in a way that we begin to recognize in our own experience. I mean, all those ideas are only for the purpose of helping something begin to emerge within our own experience. It's not just adopt a different belief system and then believe strongly in it, react everything from there. That's not the purpose. So in a a sense, we're no longer in a position to deny that there are underlying capacities that can come forward when what's holding them, impeding them is interrupted. We can't really deny that anymore if we were inclined to. So it's not a debate. It's just a question of, is there an interest in exploring in a way to see what can unfold more and more? Then, of course, more effortful practices of paying attention in fresh ways, um, 
cultivating uh, love, compassion, care, noticing more, cultivating uh, some more equanimity or groundedness, all can now follow as well. But they're not the primary entry point. It's rather that once we learn how to begin to tap into some of the capacities, capacities of our deeper nature, we can now also do some effortful practice to help them further emerge, to support them, and to, in a sense, translate their, some of their implications into our lives, our ways of being with others and responding to things and so on. Is that sort of making sense? Again, don't, don't have to agree with everything. It's just, am I, you know, it's making sense enough. So that means that, again, just to back up, the basic purpose of the, these, what, what I've, I've called in others sustainable compassion training practices or innate compassion training, because they're innate capacities that we're learning to draw on innate compassion and wisdom training. The purpose of these practices is to begin to tap into powers of our underlying uh, deep nature, Buddha nature, to begin to purify the mind, help it relax its uh, tight identification and grasping to narrow senses of self in reaction to things, just relax that and uh, uh, allow underlying capacities then to emerge, you know, awakening capacities, love, compassion, discernment, wisdom, insight, and so on, begin to let them emerge. And let those capacities or qualities then help our mind begin, just begin to reunite with its deeper nature and become present to others from there. So that we can learn increasingly to begin to sense others more within, in their depth rather than at the superficial level of consciousness. So the superficial level of consciousness, which is just seeing images of others that the mind's used to constructing of them and feeling certain feelings in reaction in relation to those images and reacting, that's what I'm calling a more superficial level of consciousness. That's still operating, but we're in touch enough more with the depth of our being that we can sense the, the depth of being in others. And therefore, the more superficial level of imaging them and reacting to them does no longer has as much say in the matter there's a sensing of more in them. It's kind of like, I think, a loving mother or parent with a child uh, is always sensing much, much more in that child than most other people see. Because the, the loving parent is more in touch more with the, the fullness of their being and oriented to be in touch with that. That's the important thing, actually. Oriented to be in touch with that and therefore the more superficial levels of interaction and reaction by the child, particularly when they're a teenager perhaps, but, uh, don't have, no longer have the final word on anything. It's not that we don't see them and we don't take them seriously at their own level, but that level is not the final level of things, which is more of the depth and fullness of them which is always worth uh, upholding in them, even long before they're ready to recognize it in themselves. Right? There are probably some counselors here, too. That's part of what, what we would do in counseling and in, in being therapists, but also in being healthcare providers. And uh, that's very much what really good doctors and nurses do, 
is kind of upholding that fuller being there, not just sick and reacting to everything level of being. But I'm quite aware of that, <laughs> the, uh, diagnosing and, and uh, offering treatment, but always upholding a, f- uh, a vision of a fuller being there. And in this case, with our practices, uh, more of the depth of that being, meaning a tremendous capacity in them. Remember, Buddha nature means like tremendous capacity. So there's increasingly a sense of reverence for that tremendous capacity in each other being. You can reach a point where you're almost embarrassed by how you've been used to thinking of them, how far that is from the fuller reality of them. But that kind of vision, which in Tibetan Buddhism is also referred to as pure perception, dagnang, that kind of vision of beings more in the depth of their being can only come from our contact with the depth of our being. It, it's not just abstract or it's not just a subject of stu- intellectual study that won't get us there. Some of us have intellectual, intellectually studied ourselves to death and it didn't get us there. There's something more fundamental that has to kick in and that's what we're trying to begin to explore. Is that basically okay? So another important, really important way that Buddhist practitioners begin to tap into the underlying powers of their Buddha nature is done relationally. And this particular aspect is one that I've really tried to bring forward and raise up because it's been uh, significantly de-emphasized or even lost in Western ways of, of, uh, of uh, connecting with Buddhism many really foundational aspects of Buddhism, or certain foundational aspects, have just been increased, ignored because Westerners, modern Westerners initially just had no way of understanding how to relate to them. So, oh, it's just another culture, or that's just devotional stuff, or superstitious stuff, not like us rational Westerners, or something like that. And so there are certain elements of Buddhism which I believe were actually absolutely foundational to it, and also uh, mirror patterns that we can see in other deeply spiritual traditions that tend to get excised, removed, or ignored. So the practice of uh, practices adapted from Buddhism increasingly becomes conceptualized as an autonomous project that I'm going to take up this technique of whatever it is, mindfulness or uh, concentration or even insight as an autonomous, uh, relatively isolated uh, atomic self. I will take it up and then I'll, I'll learn this for myself and that'll bring certain improvements. Uh, and in, in, in that way, maybe I'll also become more effective in my work with others. So in a certain sense, the whole thing implicitly becomes a very large self-help project. And the problem is, the problem I've always had with that is, besides being caught in it myself for you know, a long time and still conditioned to it, is that it, it really obstructs a much fuller unfolding of things that I think has been part of Buddhist cultures. 
to think of what we're taking up as just a self-help technique, I think can automatically restrict all the possibilities of what we're taking up to something much narrower than it otherwise could be. It could open up way, way beyond what we thought our self-help project was. So for that reason, I'm trying to bring forward something I think is really foundational to Buddhism, very central and prominent in Tibetan Buddhism, and also mirrored, as I said, in many other spiritual traditions. So let me put it this way, now talking particularly about Buddhism, um, when someone embodies the qualities of their Buddha nature, they begun to realize and actualize them and embody them, kind of be them. When someone embodies the qualities of the Buddha nature, if we are receptive to the power of their presence with those qualities, then they help evoke our corresponding capacity to experience those qualities and to embody them. So this is um, pointing to a relational aspect, a foundationally relational aspect. I mean, after all, the Buddha was not just a skilled teacher of intellectual things and self-help projects. He is uh, related to, in all, all Buddhist cultures, as a tremendous power of presence. And the power of his presence, the power of his being, uh, gave him the power to speak to people in the depth of their being and provide ways, methods, or practices for them to unleash more of the power of their own depth. So Tibetan practitioners then often bring to mind the Buddha or a field of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, like Buddhist saints who have significantly realized and embody the, the power of their Buddha nature. Um, they bring to mind, actually as part of daily practice, the Buddha and or a field of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas as an enlightened field of refuge, so-called, which is a field of unconditional care. So they experience themselves and their whole world as held in the power of the Buddha's all-pervasive love and compassion and wisdom, which brings out their own corresponding capacities of appreciation and gratitude and warmth and care and compassion and reverence and wisdom. It's relational. You kind of follow? So other contemplative traditions, I think, follow an analogous pattern. And this is where, having been located in, in Boston College, which is a, a Jesuit Catholic university, in their, I've been in their department of theology, so that kind of forced me to be in dialogue with and to learn from. Uh, and then not just that, but in an area that comes into uh, dialogue with people of other uh, spiritual and religious traditions. So one thing that uh, became clear to me from that is that many other contemplative traditions follow an analogous pattern that is being held in the love and compassion and wisdom of God or divine figures or of the saints, or the prophets, or of one's spiritual ancestors, 
which is also an important part of indigenous religions. The field of spiritual ancestors is the key, in a sense, to everything. One's not entering into a, a kind of practices or ways of spiritual awakening or um, development as a self-help project, as if you, on your own, are on your own, you get a little bit of instruction. And now here I am, existing on my own, separate from everything, now taking up this practice and really focusing on it and getting it done. You see the difference? And what I just described is not merely an adjunct thing on the side of all of these traditions, including Buddhism. It is at the very foundation of it, and not just in the origins of the tradition, but in the daily practice of all of its adherents. The bringing to mind of fields of blessing, if you will. Those who have become transparent to the qualities that you're learning to become transparent to. Those who have to have awakened to those qualities to become, start to become transparent to them is to hold all others in those qualities. That's what it means. It's not a self-help project. So the moment that we think of what we're doing as just our own self-help project, that is me just on my own, taking up a technique, and we're conditioned to think that way in our culture, I mean, most of us. But the moment we think that way, we have cut off the much fuller reality of what we're trying to enter into, which is that if anyone ever awakens to what we're trying to awaken to, they're now holding everybody else. That's what that awakening means. But how could you awaken in such a way that you're now holding everybody else if you have denied at every step that anybody's ever been holding you? If you've ignored that at every step, that you are held. Actually, from the worldview I'm speaking from, you are all already held in this absolute, unconditional uh, love, compassion, insight, wisdom. In, uh, in in the very depth of your being, held from the very depth of your being, by all those who have awakened to the depth of their being in in a full way or a profound way. That's what that kind of awakening means. It means you, we, are all already held. Sorry. (laughs) I just say that because it runs so counter to the worldview that many of us are conditioned to just take for granted that there is no such thing or the claim that there could be such a thing is just uh, some sort of an assertion of power over others of course there's truth in that too it has, it has been used in that way but the final word here is not just games of power it's something a lot more fundamental than that And I suspect that's why we're all here. Because we already know there's something more fundamental than just games of power and counterpower. And then getting power over those who've had power over us. Then everything will be okay. Because we won't be like them. 
except we always do become like them. We become them until somebody else gets power over us. On and on and on. There's no end to it. I think we all know there's something more fundamental than that here or we wouldn't be here. Besides bringing to mind the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and so forth as a kind of a, a field of refuge or a field of unconditional care, which then evokes or triggers their own capacities of care in response. Tibetans also uh, typically are taught to bring to mind the profound loving kindness of their mothers in particular, or another uh, loving figure like that in their lives, and let that also evoke their innate capacities of warmth and appreciation and gratitude and love and compassion, which they then extend those energies uh, and qualities then are extended to all beings as radiant energies of love and compassion. So you see the profoundly relational structure of practice, not only in Tibetan Buddhism, but across traditions. I know it runs a little bit counter to our culture to really raise this up in the way that I'm doing. But, you know, it, uh, it's important. Or we could just keep going on as if none of this is part of any of these traditions. They're all just to be translated into self-help techniques. As if no one's already held me in the fruits of the techniques that I'm trying to learn. But then how can I become the person that's holding all the others if I just endlessly deny that anyone ever has? It's a, direct, it's a core contradiction, I think, in the, the modern Western taking up of practices from these kind of profound ancient traditions. It's a core contradiction. Too little raised up. So I'm raising it. But not just theoretically, but also to explore and practice what this could mean for us. So in Tibetan Buddhism, the energies and qualities of love and compassion and wisdom that are evoked by such fields of refuge, so-called, are drawn upon in meditation uh, to help the mind settle into the source of those qualities which is the basic space and pure awareness and warmth of our Buddha nature. From which to recognize others, as I said, in, in their deep nature and to hold them in unconditional warmth and compassion. <coughs> so to sum this up, in essence, to experience ourselves as held in the love and compassion and wisdom of our, of our field of care, which is outer refuge, helps us to settle into the source of those qualities in the depth of our own awareness, which is inner refuge. And from there then to sense others in the depth of their being and to extend unconditional love and compassion to them. And this is the pattern of practice that we're going to engage throughout this retreat.
Oh, sure. Yeah. What? You mean you didn't just take it all in just like that? So to sum this up, uh, to experience ourselves as held in the love and compassion and wisdom of our field of care, which is outer, outer refuge in Buddhist terms, to experience ourselves as held in love and compassion and wisdom of our outer refuge, field of care, helps us to settle into the source of those qualities in the depth of our own awareness, which is inner refuge. That's inner refuge. The source of the qualities in the depth of our being. And from there, then, to sense others in the depth of their being. That's the ultimate point. And to extend unconditional love and compassion to them and hold them in that wisdom. And that's the pattern of practice that we'll be doing through the weekend. So I hope, I hope you're not all shocked by that. Uh, I tried to describe it that way in the description of the retreat so people wouldn't be shocked. But that is actually a very traditional pattern of practice, as I said. That's the way I learned to practice starting 40 years ago. Close, more like 45 years ago. That's the pattern of practice I've been doing for 45 years. It's not new. So in our meditation today, what we're going to do is establish what I call a field of care, a kind of field of refuge that provides a way to begin to access qualities of our awareness or Buddha nature. And I'm going to provide three basic kinds of options to help the different individuals in this room just find their own best point of entry into the practice. (coughs) So here are the three kinds of options. I mean, there may be many more kinds of options, but I think these three can get us started. And what I'd ask you to do is please kind of settle meditatively into each of them as as I very briefly describe it. So we're already, in a sense, beginning to meditate just by settling into what I'm describing and then see how that how that may connect you up or not. Different options from which you can choose for how you enter into the meditation will will now do. So first kind of option I call re-inhabiting a caring moment. So try now just to recall a moment with another person or animal that just makes you really happy, really happy to recall or feels heartwarming or uplifting to recall. This could be a moment when someone was seeing you in your deep worth or really listening or radiating warmth or kindness to you or kind of smiling upon you or rooting for you or maybe a moment when you were snuggling with with a child or with a pet. Try to recall that now, a moment like that, just one, one such moment. Usually, if you try, at least in, some, in time, uh, moments will begin to come to you. 
Sometimes it takes a little time. And then suddenly you remember something. Maybe something that you'd long forgotten. A moment like this. It just makes you really happy to recall. Or feels really meaningful now to recall it. Like it's a key to something. Okay, so that's the first kind of option, a caring moment. And in the meditation, we, we, we bring that to mind, not just as a memory, but as if it's happening right now. And settle into that. Okay, so far? Okay, the second option is to bring to mind a benefactor, what I call a benefactor, and that's someone that you're, you're really grateful has been in your life or in your world. So someone whose presence or way of being or, or mentorship or, or writing uh, has inspired you or blessed you or uplifted you. So you may have known them personally or you may not have but somehow their way of being or their presence in, in your world or this world is uplifting for you. Can you think of someone like that for you? And then you imagine that that person is present here with you now, seeing you, communing with you in your deep worth and dignity and deep capacity and just blessing you with their loving or wise presence. And the third option I call a spiritual field. And that's if you practice within a spiritual tradition or um, <coughs> of some kind. Then, and this seems meaningful to you, you can bring to mind the presence of, uh, of God or of the Buddha or another spiritual figure or assembly of figures from your practice tradition that are deeply meaningful to you. Uh, a figure or assembly of figures that you experience as holding you and your whole world in unconditional love and compassion and deep wisdom. Like the Buddha for Buddhists. But you can draw on your own spiritual tradition if you practice in one. Maybe something is coming to mind for you now if that's your practice. And you imagine them present with you now, radiating unconditional, unchanging love and compassion and wisdom. And in this third kind of category or option, uh, your spiritual field could also be the natural world. There may be, a, for example, this is just an example, but there may be a very special place in the natural world that is profoundly moving for you like with a sunset sky or overlooking a panoramic ocean, like I mentioned last night. 
that's profoundly uplifting and opening. The natural world also could be your spiritual field for this practice. Okay, those are the three kinds of options. So please just take a moment now to consider them and to consider which is most effective now to help you sense that you are seen and held in a field of love and care and compassion. And then please use that option in the meditation that I'll I'll lead called a field of care meditation, which in the uh, SCT meditation handout is meditation number one. Don't worry about that right now, but just if you want to look at it later. So which option would you like to take up now? A caring moment? Uh, Benefactor? Or spiritual field? And then we'll inhabit that. Each of us will inhabit our field of care. Okay? So we can loosen up in our own place a little bit if you'd like. So when we practice with this meditation, we just employ the field of care in order to bring out kind of underlying loving, awakening qualities from our awareness. So there could be a felt sense of kind of warmth and acceptance and being seen or loving energy or kind of inner rest or well-being. Those kinds of qualities may start to emerge. Like you reported with the sound meditation. And then what we do is we just relax into those qualities and just let them permeate your whole mind and body. And that's the the focus of the meditation. Just relax into those qualities as they begin to emerge and let them permeate your whole being. So we're not focusing on stories that the mind may then generate about caring moments or about our relationships. As those kinds of stories in the mind start to arise, we just, um, we just kind of drop them. Not, no need to take a particular interest in them. They're not the point of the meditation. The point are these qualities that are emerging. And then uh, to just really relax right into those qualities and just steepen them. Just let them permeate your whole being. And stories may come up, but they're not really the point here. So you know the point now. Just relax into those qualities more and more. Okay? Okay, so just start with some abdominal breathing. Just sit in a relaxed way, back straight. Eyes can be gazing gently downward if you like. <coughs> then we just come down from the thinking mind into the body. You can take a slow, deep breath, inhaling from the abdomen so it expands. Then a slow, complete exhaling. And you can relax for a moment, 
before inhaling again if you like. And then just repeat that, inhaling into the abdomen, slowly, fully, and then exhaling slowly, completely. And just relax for a moment, and then again. And now while still breathing from the abdomen, just let the breath settle into its own natural flow. And feeling the abdomen expand and contract with it. And let that feeling of the body moving with the breath just draw you into it more and more, breath by breath. And now bring to mind your field of care that you chose, your caring moment or benefactor or spiritual field. Can everyone bring something to mind? Try to do that. And bring this to mind not just as a memory or abstraction, but as really happening right now, right here. you are in that caring moment or that benefactor or spiritual field is here now. And you are being seen and held right now in deep care, compassion, acceptance, and warmth beyond any judgments. You just relax into that experience and steep in its loving energies. Feel its tender qualities and let those qualities just infuse your whole being.
spaciously. You can accept these loving energies and tender qualities into your whole body and mind. Every part of your body, every layer of feeling. Every part of you loved in its very being. And let any thoughts that come up or reactions just be gently embraced in the spacious warmth and acceptance of this loving, holding environment. Every part of you loved in its very being. Every thought or reaction even that arises embraced in that loving environment. Everything. And if you lose the feeling of the loving energies and qualities, then you just freshly recall your field of care again as present here now, and just let its power draw you back into the feeling of it. Now you can just let this loving holding environment of warmth and acceptance help your mind to just trust and relax deeply and release all of its frameworks of meditation or worry. 
and just let the mind settle back a bit inwardly and come to rest in the background of its awareness, which is naturally wide open and luminous like a sunlit sky. Just let the mind settle back a bit into the ground of its awareness, which is naturally wide open and luminous. And let everything be. Thank you. Good. And just let the resonance of the meditation just continue. We don't have to rush to figure it out. We can sort of let the resonance of the meditation uh, start to figure us out. So recall the instruction that you're being seen and held in deep care and compassion and acceptance and warmth beyond judgments. So just relax into this experience, steeping in its loving energy, feeling its qualities, and letting them infuse your whole being. You remember that instruction? So to the degree that you could begin to settle into that, even a little bit. Um, can you name one of the loving qualities that you were experiencing? One of the loving or awakening qualities that you were experiencing in that moment. Sorry? Warmth. Warmth. And I'll just repeat you, yeah? Compassion. Uh, yeah. Feeling my soul embraced. Feeling. My soul embraced. Feeling as if my soul is embraced. Yeah. Julie? Radiant cheerfulness. Radiant cheerf cheerfulness. Yeah. Trust. Trust. Yeah. Joy. Joy. 
Yeah. Patience. Mm. Humor. Humor. Acceptance. Good feel that. What else? Appreciation. Appreciation. Trust. 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 Anything else? Yeah. Reliability. Reliability. Nice. Mm. As if you could sense something reliable in this. Safety. Safety. Uh, yeah. Deep love. Somebody finally said it. <laughs> it's never a man. Who <laughs> finally says it? <laughs> Sorry, let's start typing. Yeah. Devotion. Devotion. Okay. Yeah. Some more. Yeah. Gratitude. Thank you. Okay. In other retreats, some, some of the other qualities that people have named, and notice as we're hearing them, it can also start to, uh, in a sense, take us back to our own experience of it and show us more, or we may notice things we hadn't noticed uh, that we couldn't have named at the, at the time, but somebody else is naming it for us, that can happen. So warmth, tenderness, gentleness. So as you hear it, see if does this, did you notice that? Uh, openness. I'll skip ones you've already said. A, a lightness. Ease, relaxed, spacious, felt seen, deeply peaceful, grounded, well, felt at home, healing, slowing down, restful, softening, sense of freedom, release, simplicity, felt uplifted, felt like grace. So in Buddhist terms, what's happening is that we're the, this field of care meditation interrupts uh, the kind of patterning in our mind that's impeded or held back these qualities and evokes these qualities, helps them come forth while it's interrupting. So interrupting what's holding them back 
and also evoking or helping them come forward. So in Buddhist terms, we're starting to access qualities from the depth of our awareness, the nature of mind or Buddha nature. So actually throughout our whole life, others in a moment when they're embodying those qualities to some degree, qualities of love, warmth, acceptance, deeper, of a, a deeper seeing, really listening, really being present, just present in those ways for even uh, to some degree for a moment, are evoking those kinds of qualities in us. That's the relational background, actually, of all of these contemplative traditions. We didn't start from scratch. We've already been held in what it is we're seeking. And to know that can really empower our process of awakening. To recognize that we're already held and we can reconnect with that recognition and let it evoke these qualities of our own deeper awareness. But notice in what I'm just describing, what I just described, I'm not saying that others, by embodying such qualities for a moment to some degree, are giving us the qualities they're not. They're evoking them. They've set the condition by their presence for the qualities of our own awareness to come forward, those kinds of qualities. So other beings are essential to our process, but they don't give us our process. They help evoke, kind of trigger, evoke capacities that we have and bring them forward. So the meditation is showing us how immediately we can start to access powers of love and compassion and peace and well-being from the depth of our awareness, how immediately we can start to access that. And by hearing what, other, what qualities others, other people noticed, it can help us notice more uh, in our own experience that we haven't, may not have been able to name yet. Did, did any of you notice that? As you're hearing others name qualities, it's p- pointing you to, or you, you're recognizing at least some of those qualities, but you, you yourself were not able to consciously name them yet. Did you notice that? How helpful that is. Um, The meditation is also purifying qualities of warmth and love and compassion and acceptance and, and so forth toward greater unconditionality. So some of us may have started with a caring moment as our field of care, just a caring moment with some other being, which was, uh, which may have been relatively unconditional care. Um, so we may start with that relatively unconditional care for that mo- for that w- within that moment. <coughs> but as we follow the instruction, especially this very, this very deep instruction, every, every part of you loved in its very being, the loving qualities that are starting to emerge are becoming purified and stronger and more unconditional. And when someone senses that, then their, their descriptive term, a descriptive term may come up like absolutely reliable. There's something absolutely reliable here. That's the unconditional quality emerging. Unconditional means it's unaffected by anything. It doesn't matter what anybody does or says. 
It doesn't matter what you do or say. You're unconditionally held in this. Um, so the process is, is also bringing out the unconditional capacity of love and compassion from our basic awareness, our Buddha nature, more and more of that unconditional capacity. And from that kind of secure base, we can bring more unconditionality to others. But without that kind of secure base, it's very hard to be more unconditional with others. We don't have the basis of unconditionality in ourselves from which to be that way with others. And finally, the releasing phase of the meditation, the very last phase of just let this loving environment just help your mind to relax, trust enough to just let go of its frameworks of, of the meditation or of worry about things, and just settle back a bit settle back inward a bit, right back into the ground of your experience or in the background of your awareness, which is naturally wide open. That is called the releasing phase, releasing your frameworks, settling back more into the ground of things. And that's a return to the letting be meditation that we did last night. The releasing phase of all the other meditations is the letting be meditation. Just beginning to settle back a bit into the ground of the experiences and the source of those loving qualities. Okay, so I'll try to go through that pretty thoroughly. Finally, also importantly perhaps for some, did anybody notice the power of doing this practice together? I could maybe notice that, wow, this, is, this becomes quite powerful as we're entering into this together, even though each of us is bringing to mind our own kind of field of care, which may not be exactly the same as others in the room. Yet still, the, somehow there's a, a communal power of it. <coughs> so by doing this field of care practice together, I would say we're helping each other to resonate with its power. As, as any of us resonate with the power of it, that, that resonance uh, is, is helping others to begin to resonate with it as well. And to begin to attune to it and experience it. So another option for what I would call a spiritual field of care, if, if, if you wish, anyone, you can take this practice, this very practice group, with the teacher's transmission of this meditation uh, as, as a field of care. So if anyone's having trouble identifying a field of care, you could take this. It's like a story of a Zen student with a Zen master, very famous story in China. And the Zen student said, I just don't know how to, how to really enter into the depth of the path. And the, they're, they're standing on a little bridge over a uh, flowing creek, and the master just sort of gestures, you know, points to the to the flowing water and says, "Well, why not enter here?" 
So kind of like that, if somebody's struggling with finding a field of care, why not just enter here with this? One is being generated. And we can also consider, even if you have uh, another field of care that you're bringing to mind, a caring moment or a special benefactor for you or spiritual field, you can also just consider that this is also adding energy and power into it. This is another dimension of field of care that's also helping it, further empowering it. Is that kind of clear? What I said, by the way, I didn't make up. It's very traditional. That's actually where spiritual fields of care come from. Over the course of the history of Buddhist practice traditions and in Tibet, it's having practice together with others, with transmission, also from teachers. And you begin to realize, oh my gosh, this has been going on for centuries, for generations. Uh, ancestors of, of mine in this practice have been holding this space in this way. And that the field of care then goes on. Okay. So each session, uh, the teaching session and, and uh, sharings and questions uh, take about an hour and 15 minutes. And then we take a half hour break and we come back in the next session again. It's about an hour and 15 minutes with teaching practice and sharings with each other. So I think it's a good time to take a break. And we can come back in about a half an hour, about 10.45 Eastern time. Is that okay? I know some of you are not from here. Okay. I'll see you in a half an hour-ish. <laughs>